0: hello once again everybody and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday December 24th edition of ATS radio I'm your host Adam Burke I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from BradPowerSports.com. we're talking about the college football bowl games through next Wednesday and we're also going to talk some NFL week 16 on today's program great sportsbook promotions being offered all across the industry and you can read about those over at ats.io while you're there, check out the sportsbook reviews, check out the exclusive signup bonuses that we're able to offer as an affiliate of those legal U.S. sportsbooks. And of course, scan through. Check out all of our free picks, predictions, bowl game picks, NFL Week 16 thoughts, college basketball, that's taking an off day today, but it'll be back tomorrow. Uh, college football, obviously, going on, and the NBA back as well, starting on Tuesday night. A lot of games Wednesday, off day today, but the five Christmas Day games coming up tomorrow. Plenty of things going on in the sports world. You can read about all of it over at the website. And make sure you download the ATS app as well. Full article integration from ATS.io to go along with a bet tracker, an odd screen. Uh, you can buy premium model selections from there. $9.99 a week, $19.99 a month for the picks from that analytics model. You can listen to the shows through the ATS app, through the article recap over at the website. Really great tool to have in the palm of your hand. We highly recommend that you download the ATS app from the Google Play Store or from the Apple Store. And if you are searching, search against the spread. It'll make it a lot easier for you to find that app. With that, we bring on professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from com. And Brad, how's it going today, man? That's going well. How are you doing? Doing well, buddy. Appreciate your time as always here, sir. And uh, you and I were talking about this before we started recording here that So far in the bowl season, I mean, it's been a blowout in pretty much every game. Double-digit wins for every team that's been a winner. Not a whole lot of competitive bowl games so far.
1: No, uh, (laughs) there hasn't. And I'm not sure a lot of it's going to change here. I mean, if you're looking at some of these point spreads, and uh, I mean, there probably is going to be some clear disparities of motivation. and, And when you get that, uh, I don't even care if you're an underdog or a favorite, uh, obviously it's going to be quite evident who, who's there ready to play and who isn't. So I think we kind of talked about this last week, but uh, uh, probably some opportunity for some in game, uh, especially if you're late to the party. Cause I mean, there's been a lot of steam on a lot of things uh, as far as if you filed if you the money so far, yeah, you, you've been having a pretty good bowl game. Cause uh, most of the steams have been correct here. So if you, if you don't want to play into it and you're a little late to the party, obviously with, with there being blowouts, it doesn't matter if you're late to the party. Uh, it doesn't matter what number you get for the most part. Uh, you've been
0: okay if you've been following it. Well, and it's been all chalk here so far too. So we'll see if that winds up continuing, even though, you know, for this December 24th bowl game that we're not going to talk about, it's been one-sided Hawaii money on the underdog yeah with Houston having anywhere from 15 to 20 players not in the lineup here, whether it's academics, whether it's COVID, whether it's injuries, whether it's opt-outs. And that's something you lamented to me at the top of the show here is that, you know, generally speaking, we've got a lot of time to sort of organize our thought processes for these bowl games, a lot of time for news to kind of come out. We can react to it, this and that. But you mentioned this to me that, you know, in terms of getting market entry for these bowl games, the way that news has been breaking and the way that these lines have been moving, i just, it's been tough to get decent numbers on these games.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, it's not, uh, obviously it's a, you know, the 24 seven news cycle, uh, but it's, you know, getting, you know, the proper position. I'm just, I don't get a lot of info that, you know, pre-flop I get some, it trickles in. I mean, for example, yesterday, I mean, shy Wertz was basically everything that I read a few days prior to the bowl game. It was more like he was questionable at best, and yet you know you get to the game. Obviously, Georgia Southern's taking some money there. He not only plays, but he looks 100. And I mean, I can't even believe that he was questionable heading into the game the way he played. So you know, I'm lamenting some of the info that that's you know not getting released out there. I mean, some of it is, but a lot of it you got to really do some digging. And, you know, it I, like with Houston today, I mean, okay, 15, 20 guys are out. Which guys? Because I'll tell you this. I mean, it all sounds fine. And Daniel well, we automatically bet Hawaii. I've seen guys, you know, teams with, you know, playing with 50-some guys on their entire roster and have a good, you know, good solid performance. So a lot, it depends on who's out. I mean, that, that's one thing that COVID's you know, taught me. Uh, not to overreact sometimes the 15, 20 guys being out because a lot of times it, it still doesn't impact necessarily the game. So I'm anxious to see how low this line gets uh, as far as today's game goes.
0: Well, and another thing about it too, and you know, we'll move on from this game here in a second. but you know for Houston, a lot of guys not in the lineup, and you question motivation you know for a team like that, where you know they kind of go into the game thinking, okay, well, we're missing 20 guys, probably some of our better players you know, what, what does it matter? You know, but then on the other side, the guys replacing those guys have everything to play for, you know, whether they're seniors who don't play and this is their last game, whether it's underclassmen that are, you know, going to go out there and be eager to you know, impress the coaching staff, try to get themselves more playing time for next season. That's the thing. And that's why, you know, we talked a lot about this on yesterday's show with Kyle Hunter that look, from a pre-flop standpoint, a pregame standpoint, I don't know how many of these bowl games I actually want to play. But from a live betting standpoint, we're seeing pretty early on that the team that wants to be there, the team that looks prepared, they've taken care of business. And maybe it doesn't continue that way, but at least you can see something with your eyes that will say, okay, here's what I'm seeing in the first quarter of this game. I think this is going to continue, or I don't think this is going to continue. I think live betting is 110% the way to attack especially this bowl season, but I think in future bowl seasons with these early games, you know, where some teams may be happy to be there and some aren't.
1: Absolutely. I, th- I couldn't have said it better myself. So I, I mean, as we're taping this, I think it'll be apparent, you know, if Houston, it, I'll tell you, if they're ready to play, they're going to cover this number because I, I don't care if 15, 20 guys are out unless it's a bunch of starters and whatnot. I don't think that will be the case. Otherwise the number would really plummet, but Uh, they're they're better and why? So if they show up, they're going to win and cover this number. But uh, if they don't, then I mean, I could see them getting beat. Not only you know, forget covering the spread; they'll probably lose the game outright and could lose badly. So uh, I I think the 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 live pretty much anything you've seen in the first quarter. And I'm trying trying to think. Yeah, pretty much every bowl game, what you saw in the first quarter that team that dominated the first quarter basically won and covered the game. So I mean, it's only five games. It's small data sample size, but it's the only sample size we got so far for the 2020 and 2021 full season. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's how I'm attacking it until I see different.
0: Well, and of course, too, one other thing that's been kind of a consideration, and, you know, I've, I've written a few previews. I still do writing over at bangthebook.com, even though now the show through ATS.io. You know, you've got some teams that have had some either extended layoffs, haven't played in basically a month. You know, like, a, like a Liberty Coastal Carolina in a game we'll talk about in a few minutes, Liberty hasn't played in about a month. And you have some other teams that maybe played a game, like Houston, but hadn't played the previous three or four weeks. So that's another thing, too, where, yeah, we're used to these long you know, 18, 20, maybe 22-day layoffs between bowl game between the end of the regular season and a bowl game, but those teams also have 12 or 13 data points from the regular season we don't have that at all this year so yep. that's also been an, you know a more difficult wrinkle and again speaks to why i think there's a lot more equity and also line equity in live betting
1: Absolutely. Another thing we don't have, and you kind of brought up another thing that I, I just remembered: we don't have any non-conference hardly matchups to distinguish teams. That's one of my staples of handicapping is comparing strength of schedules. Well, uh, I mean, obviously some conferences are stronger than others. So a lot of times I defer to, "Hey, how'd you do? How'd not only your team, but how'd your your conference do in the non-conference play? We don't have any uh, of those data points to to compare to this bowl season. So that's been kind of why I've been a little slow out of the gates. And as far as firing a bunch of plays, uh, I kind of wanted to see how that played out. I mean, if specific conferences uh, were underperforming or overperforming because I, I don't, I don't know in a lot of instances, especially with the group of five, how strong some of these group of five conferences are.
0: Yeah. And that's an excellent point too, simply to say that, you know, it's bowl season. I get it. There are standalone games, this and that, but, no matter how much you handicap a game, you're still gambling on that game. You still, you try to limit the degree to which it's a gamble for you, but it's still a gamble. You know, you're still hoping that everything works out the way you expect it to. And of course, with the bull season, you know, you handicap motivation before the game. And sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. And when you're wrong, you know, it winds up being very ugly. Yeah. But, but this year with even more uncertainty, even more moving parts in all these games, It doesn't mean you have to increase your degree of gambling. You know, if you don't like something pre-flop, don't bet it. Don't just have action on the game simply because it exists, simply because it's there, simply because a lot of people are probably home for the holidays this year where they're going to watch, you know, the New Mexico Bowl. They're going to watch the Camellia Bowl because there ain't shit else to do. doesn't mean you have to take a pre-flop position on it, watch the game, live bet it when you have more information and can decrease the degree of your gamble on that individual game. So I think it's true of all bowl seasons, but especially this one. And we'll see if that comes to fruition here on Friday with that Camellia Bowl that I mentioned already, Marshall and Buffalo. This one got as high as five and a half in the marketplace yesterday. Now we're seeing some Marshall buyback down to four and a half or five reduced juice kind of across the board, total 54 for this one. Brad, what do you make of kind of the yo-yo action of this betting line?
1: Uh, you know, originally I took a Marshall position. Uh, that's just dead wrong. So I, I got a bad bet there on Marshall. And, and I was betting, I think, Conference USA uh, and Marshall specifically. Uh, had played a tougher schedule than Buffalo. And I, I was betting past history as far as Doc Holiday being one of the best bowl coaches out there. So that's why my, I originally took Marshall. Uh, But, you know, more information comes in. And, you know, Marshall obviously hasn't looked good the last couple of games after a 7-0 start. And, you know, you you get an overall vibe on the team. What is it? Well, how about this? Leading rusher, Brendan Knox, first-team All-Conference USA, opts out. The leader on the offensive line, tackle Josh Ball, first-team All-Conference USA, opts out. The Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Tavante Beckett, a linebacker for Marshall, opts out. Uh, So, you know, I I don't think Marshall's, you know, I'll read the tea leaves and this sounds real, uh, you know, basic, but I mean, they're not going to play. looks like Jared Patterson for Buffalo, the outstanding running back is, I mean, I, I got a bad bet on Marshall. I could only look towards Buffalo at this point.
0: Well, and something I said on yesterday's show was that, you know, I do think both of these teams will be motivated with how they finished up the regular season. Buffalo losing, of course, in the conference championship game, Marshall doing the same, not too long after they played really bad against Rice. So you would expect both of these teams to show up, be engaged, be motivated, want to erase those bad performances. Then key players opt out for Marshall and you sit there and you ask yourself, how serious is the thundering herd taking this game? You know, will the team follow the lead of those guys that opted out and maybe not fully be there either physically or mentally? With Buffalo, their leader, Jarrett Patterson, seems to be playing this game. So is that, you know, does that speak more to Buffalo's mindset going into the bowl game? I think it's a reasonable argument to consider. Again, maybe you wait and see how the first quarter goes. But based on, as you said, reading the tea leaves, kind of looking at the context of this game and sort of my initial handicapping position of both teams should want to be here. That's kind of changed a little bit to the point where, you know, I have an overlay on Buffalo anyway, from a power rating standpoint, but At four and a half now with more information to process, I think the Bulls are the play.
1: Yeah, that's the only way I could go here. I don't have that much of a power ratings overlay. It's pretty much close to the number at this point, even factoring in those guys being out for Marshall. Uh, I do also lean under. I mean, if you really want to go crazy and and bet a ham sandwich on the total, uh, (laughs) obviously that's not going crazy uh, unless it's Honey Baked Ham. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's the best D Buffalo's faced th- this year. I mean, their schedule has been pathetic and I'm not sure how effective Marshall's going to be on offense. I mean, their quarterback Wells is really struggling and now he doesn't have his best weapon his running back to hand the ball off to. So I do lean under.
0: All right. So we moved to Saturday here and a game we were supposed to get during the regular season that now we get as a bowl game, game 283, 284. This is the cure bowl in Orlando, Florida between Liberty and, and coastal Carolina seven with extra juice or a cheap seven and a half at even money or plus money is the line here on coastal 59 and a half to total for this one and as I said already Brad Liberty I mean they haven't played since November 27th and they played UMass so it's kind of like playing a glorified scrimmage basically coastal if coastal was in a situation where they had played Louisiana last week win or lose I'd probably fade them here but you know, now I'm, I'm not eager to, to really back either side in this game. I, I like Liberty.
1: I did take a side. I am obviously worried about the layoff uh, a little bit. Uh, but, you know, here's what I'm going to bank on, their bowl experience. They played in this exact bowl game last year. So, obviously, a lot of those players experienced that. Meanwhile, Coastal Carolina has never, as, a, as in the history of the program, ever made a bowl appearance. Yeah, they'll be excited. But uh, and I know there's not a lot of hoopla surrounding the bowl games like there usually is, but still, we'll see how they handle the expectations. Uh, I, I also look, I like Jamie Chadwell, he's the head coach of Coastal a lot, but I I think Hugh Freeze is elite. And by elite, I think he's a top ten coach in, in the country. He's already pre- cut his teeth uh, in the SEC. I don't care if he cheated or whatnot. I, when you beat Nick Saban back to back years and almost do it three times in a row, they almost did that. Uh, you're pretty freaking good. I don't care who who you got as far as players go. He's really good. Hugh Freeze as a bowl coach. He's four and one straight up and against the spread. You know, I wanted to bet Liberty in the first matchup. And I I remember specifically that line was right around seven, seven and a half. And I wanted to bet Liberty at Coastal Carolina in that matchup. And then it, it got driven up to 10 when things were leaking that Liberty might be you know, get down quite a few players as far as COVID. But the fact if I wanted to bet Liberty plus seven, seven and a half at Coastal, why not bet them at a neutral site when they've been there, done that at this exact same bowl game. So that's my thought
0: process. Well, and something I think will be worth kind of following a little bit here is, you know, Coastal had to cancel last week because it was their COVID issues. It wasn't the COVID issue yep. with Louisiana. It was theirs. So with that in mind, you know, who's going to play in this game? I mean, will everybody be available? Is there information out there that we don't know yet? And this line probably did move in Coastal's favor, you know, here in the early betting process, but what do we find out in advance of the game? You know, will all of their key guys be available? That's a big question that we don't really know. So this is one where I feel like for right now, if you want to bet the game, you've got to take liberty because We could find out something about Coastal on Friday or Saturday that we don't want to find out. You could be holding seven with juice or seven and a half when this line may go back to, you know, the five, five and a half it opened around.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's my expectation. But I'll say this. I was a little worried yesterday. I mean, it came off a key number of seven in most shops yesterday as I was, you know, getting ready to send out my my weekly newsletter And I was already looking to take a Liberty position. I mean, I wrote it up with Liberty plus seven and then seven and a half start popping. I mean, that, 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 that concerned me a little bit Uh, so that, you know, Liberty went from being, you know, one of my top plays uh, easily of of the week of the first 10, 12 bowl games to, you know, I still like it. I still bet it, but it's not, you know, top play uh, material because I mean, if you follow the money so far, you've been pretty good. So that, that does concern me a little bit. I got to throw that out there. 285-286
0: here between Louisiana and UTSA. This is the first responder bowl in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Louisiana probably happy to not be playing the bowl game in New Orleans, which is where they seem to wind up going pretty much every time they go to a bowl game. But they are laying a big number here, Brad. 14 as a road favorite. You can find 13 and a half out there. If you try, you may have to lay minus 15 on that. Total in the 56 range for this one as when you look at the game flow, you look at the expectation here. Looks like we're going to see a ton of running plays from both of these teams, but you wonder if the defenses can actually stop the run.
1: Yeah, I like the under. I bet it when circa opened them up. As far as this one, and, and uh, I'd still lean the under. Uh, just UTSA has been off for a while, uh, and so what we'll see what what they what they have uh, as far as the rhythm offensively. You mentioned that both teams like the lean on the run. Uh, so I mean, clock moving, I mean, even if they don't stop it, that's okay. As long as they, they can somewhat stop it <laughs> where it's not ripping off touchdowns. I'm okay with first downs and the clock moving. Uh, I'll say this. It's, I'm also leaning with UTSA, even though my powerings say, may, maybe even a slight lean to Louisiana, you look at when UTSA had to step up and play some good competition. I'm talking BYU, UAB, army. They all had difficulties getting margin on UTSA, all three of those games. UTSA lost by 12 points or less notably speaking how did they keep it close they you know controlled the clock a little bit ran the football and all three of those games were under the total so I think there's some correlation here dog and under
0: yeah and this is one you know I thought it was really interesting watching UTSA's first game against Texas State which was you know quite a, an interesting game to say the least but I thought what was kind of fascinating was that with Jeff Trailer, UTSA ran a bunch of tempo in that game yeah and and you sort of wonder, playing the three unders in the games where they did kind of step up in class a little bit, You know, did they relax that tempo to a degree? Because they knew, look, if we try to play a track meet against a better team, it's probably going to be challenging for us. So you sort of wonder here if UTSA does maybe play a little bit slower, does maybe want to keep this game a little bit closer. And again, maybe that first game was kind of you know, a little bit misleading because they did wind up going eight and three to the under during the regular season. Yep. And everybody kind of saw them picking up the tempo and all that against Texas state. So I guess one's pretty fascinating. And I also think too, that, you know, like you, I've got a little bit of a power ratings overlay in this game. I've got Louisiana more like 18 in this spot. Oh, wow. I'm not interested in playing Louisiana here because I don't know what they're going to look like in this game. Their bowl game was last week against Coastal. You know, they wanted to play probably in a bigger bowl against a better opponent yep. like that now they get UTSA and nothing against the roadrunners, but simply for Louisiana, they probably feel a little bit slighted to wind up being in this yep. spot. They wanted that bowl game last week. So it is very hard for me to lay two touchdowns with a team that I don't know how much they're going to want to be there. And that's even with a very good head coach and Billy Napier.
1: Totally agree. And you know, they, they laid a big number in a bowl game last year and didn't cover against Miami, so, Miami of Ohio. So, and we at least have, how did they react in the, 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 that regard last year as a big bowl favorite? I agree with you. The whole, they even talked about they wanted to play Coastal on a bowl game. I mean, after that game got canceled, all right, let's go play Coastal on a bowl game. So, yeah, I, I question their motivation here to get margin. They're clearly the better team. They'll win the game. But, uh, again, I'm not laying two touchdowns.
0: All right, so the Lending Tree Bowl. This one in Mobile, Alabama, Western Kentucky, Georgia State. Three and a half, pretty much the market-wide number. Totals come down a little bit here, 52 and a half to 50 and a half. There are some minus fours out there on Georgia State. Um, You Look, I mean, we can debate the merits of some of these teams and whether or not they deserve to be in a bowl game. Western Kentucky, of course, a sub-500 team on the season. What do you think here about them in this spot against Georgia State?
1: You know, I power ratings. I have it three and total. I, I put at 51 and I sent this stuff out on Sunday as soon as the game was announced. So I made it three and 51 and you're sitting here at three and a half, fifty and a half. 50 and a half. So I don't have a, I'm not going to have a strong position. I'll probably lean a little with Western Kentucky, even though I, I think they're a bad team, but they started playing their best ball down the stretch. They won three straight. They finally started to hand the ball off to the running back Walker. Uh, he had his two best rushing outputs in the last two games and, Therefore, Western Kentucky had their two best offensive performances in the last two games of the season. Georgia State's one of those teams we haven't seen since the end of November. How do they react uh, having a month off? I mean, they're, they're the better team. They deserve to be the favorite. But uh, any, if you find, shop real hard and find a four, uh, another ham sandwich, and I'm not talking honey-baked. Uh, I'm talking deli ham sandwich on Western Kentucky. That would be my only pre-flop position.
0: Man, don't talk shit about Deli Ham sandwiches. I got one waiting for me here after the show because that's going to be my launch today. Um, I've got Georgia State minus six here. So I do have oh, a little wow. bit of an overlay. I do like the Panthers a little bit. I've been pretty high on this team. We talked about him in the middle of the season that, you know, I wondered how things would go for them offensively, losing Ellington, who was such a big part of their offense yep. last year. And Brown, Cornelius Brown's played pretty damn well. I, I think Sean Elliott's maybe just a very good head coach. And you know, he was even being talked about a little bit. For that South Carolina job to go back after being I believe the offensive line coach uh, at South Carolina a couple of years ago I think they're a very well coached team for Western Kentucky here's what I wonder about and we talked about this I think a little bit on yesterday's show is that their offense dramatically changes next year with the hiring of the offensive coordinator from Houston Baptist I can't think of his name right now but their offense dramatically changes next year So I always wonder about sort of the focus level and the motivation for teams that go into a bowl season, knowing that things will be very different next year. Now, while they'll still have the same head coach, a lot's still going to change. They may have to change defensive schemes because of what they're going to try to do on offense and all of that. So that's what I worry about with the Hilltoppers here. I just sort of wonder, you know, if they're invested, if they're engaged. On the other hand, as you mentioned with Georgia State, you know, they haven't played in a month, you know, have they been able to stay sharp? Have they been focused? Did they even think at five and four out of the Sun Belt that they would go to a bowl game? You know, maybe not. So I I don't think I'm going to have any play pre-flop on this game. But knowing that I like Georgia State before the game, depending on how things look Saturday for this one, I'd be more inclined to fire on Georgia State pretty early in this one if they look like they're, you know, pretty crisp.
1: I'll tell you, diving into the bowl game, check this out. I couldn't believe this. Pegram for Western Kentucky hasn't thrown an interception all year. Wow. Did you know that? Did not. Know like, that. I had no idea. I mean, he stinks. He's only completing like 58% of his passes. Pure, probably blind luck. Not throwing an interception all year.
0: Well, at least he's completed 0% of his passes to the other team. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So Fair yeah. Interesting I, I,
1: it's a tough, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, it, tough, uh, in, in a year like this, when you don't really, you got question marks on both teams. I mean, for, for Pete's sake, it's Western Kentucky and Georgia State. And look, I'm a big guy in as many bowl games as possible so I can more betting opportunities. I, I just, you know, kudos to you if you find a really good pre flop position on this one. And we barely have seen hardly any movement. Uh, so I, I think the number's about right.
0: Well, the other bowl game that was supposed to be scheduled for Saturday, the Gasparilla Bowl, got canceled between South Carolina and UAB. Uh, shame that UAB won't play in a bowl game this year unless there's yep. some weird circumstance that adds a bowl game at some point uh but a shame for the Blazers who you know definitely deserved to have at least one more game here we move on to Tuesday and we move to some higher profile teams in the Cheez-It Bowl Oklahoma State and Miami this one also in Orlando at Camping World Stadium Oklahoma State two-point favorite in this game total 58 and a half we've seen a little bit of movement but this one's pretty much settled back in at that minus two number that was you know pretty much the widely available opener
1: Yeah, you know what, it bounced up to three and I took Miami uh, at plus three, so I'm comfortable with that bet. It wasn't a big bet for me, it was just, you know, taking a position on a key number. Miami's had a couple of of key players, a couple of defensive ends opt out, that's a concern there. Uh, I just, you know, I don't mind backing Miami after an absolute embarrassing loss against North Carolina their last time out, and obviously Oklahoma State, you know, my anticipation was a couple of their key offensive playmakers might opt out, so Uh, Again, uh, we're we're doing this on Wednesday. We're six days out. A lot of things, a lot of moving and shaking, probably to go along with this one. But right now, I'm leaning towards the
0: Hurricanes. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I mean, you know, Oklahoma State wants to run the football because, as we've talked about all season long, their quarterback play is terrible. And evidently, you can run the ball on Miami because North Carolina sure as hell did for 550 yards. Now, Oklahoma State's offense is not North Carolina's offense. That's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying here is that it wouldn't be shocking if Oklahoma State runs the rock well enough to play keep away, still get yep. chunks of yardage on the ground. And that's why, to me, I'd kind of look under in this game. And, you know, Oklahoma State's really? defense has, has been kind of all over the place a little bit, but with the line and, and the fact that you have, really you have two different schools of thought here. If you like Oklahoma State, you think they can run the ball, play keep away, win the game that way. If you like Miami, well, that means they're probably going to stop the run, which means they can play keep away. So to me, I think that that's kind of the game plan for really both of these teams here. And I know that, you know, Miami's defense is is not good. And their most recent data point was absolutely God awful. But to me, I just sort of look at this one and and kind of expect both of these teams to be sort of vanilla in a lot of ways. And, And that leads me towards looking at the under.
1: You know, my, I kind of disagree with you, but, you know, I haven't dived in enough to to,
0: to Disagreements think about that. are good.
1: Disagreements are yeah, good. We don't have I, enough of them
0: between you and I. Well, and the ones that we do, I, I always win, so.
1: Both the guys can run some tempo. I guess, you know, that, that maybe it's square me because the, the, the everlasting thing in my mind is that Miami-North Carolina game. So maybe I'm being a little square thinking, man, I'm not sure I want to bet under 58-and-a-half in a Miami game at this point when, when they re- like to run a lot of tempo with Lashley and two of their best defensive guys are out. Uh, th- that gives me some pause. We'll just put it that way.
0: No, that's fair. I, I mean, I, I look at Oklahoma State 7-and-3 to the under. You know, and, yeah, and it I mean, you like think the Big Twelve.
1: Yeah, I mean, you think Oklahoma State high flying. Maybe there's that perception. Reality is this is probably one of the best defenses that Mike Gundy's had there. So, uh, yeah,
0: I could, I understand that. So. And of course, you know, as we get closer to the game, too, we'll have to see what the weather looks like. Where you know, maybe there's some rain, maybe there's some wind, something like that. It is kind of tough to project these totals so far in advance. Where you know, it's December. I mean, weather could play a significant impact in a lot of these different games. How about Colorado and Texas here in the Alamo Bowl Texas back in the Alamo Bowl for the second straight year? This was one-sided Colorado money for most of the week, but now we're starting to see some indications of maybe a little bit of Texas money as this one's gone back up at some places from nine to nine and a half really anywhere from eight and a half to nine and a half in the global markets total 63 and a half for this one and look everybody knows that you you want to take Tom Herman as an underdog as much as possible but he's laying almost double digits in this one.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's going to give me pause. Texas had multiple off outs but they had that prior to the Kansas state game. They go out and just absolutely hammer Kansas state in its season finale. So we'll see. I mean, Ellen girl play for them at quarterback and it's probably his last hurrah. We'll see if he decide, I, I guess, technically he can come back next year because uh, this year doesn't count for anybody, but, uh, Yeah, another one where I got to do a little bit more legwork. Uh, You know, generally speaking, I got a little bit of an overlay now that all the money's coming in on Colorado. I was closer to the opener as far as a pure power rating. I don't think the Pac-12 is any good. So, yeah, Colorado really impressed me this year. But, again, I don't think they're very good. And when they finally ran into a team that was, you know, playing some of their better ball, Utah, you saw it happen in that game. They got run out on their home field. So, uh, I – Right now, I mean, I would lean towards Texas minus nine. I, again, I got to see if they got a bunch more opt-outs, but I think they're clearly the superior team.
0: I think this is one where if you like Texas, you might want to wait a little bit and yep. see how they look because there was a lot of smoke about Tom Herman possibly being gone throughout you know, the, the tail end of the regular season. There was talk about, you know, was Urban Meyer in this Austin hotel room? You know, did they offer him some big contract? You know, are they trying to look at somebody else? Are they maybe looking at somebody like a Luke Fickle? You know, all of that. And we sort of wondered, you know, how will that impact Texas late in the regular season, including those opt-outs that you mentioned, and they wound up having one of their best performances of the year. You wonder here, though, you know, are they fully engaged? Are they fully invested to play a marginal Pac-12 team, to not leave the state, play the Alamo Bowl, you know, all of that? Whereas I think Colorado – is interested because it is the first year with Carl Durrell they've exceeded expectations albeit in just five of their games that's what I want to know I think Texas you know clearly is the better team has a chance at a blowout victory here but I gotta see if they want to be there first so I think that's a, a quintessential live betting game uh much like you know really a lot of them that we've talked about here
1: totally agree couldn't agree it'll be apparent early on Uh, if Texas is ready to play or not. If they they show up, this is a cheap number. If not, LA can get beat. That's what I'm saying. I'll say the one nugget here that I'll say, if you're – you know, don't be messing around with money lines as far as favorites go. I mean, if you like the favorite, don't be afraid to delay the point spread. We've already seen that so far. It's not just this bowl season. It's been the last couple of years. I mean, if you like the favorite, they, they I mean, forget the money line. They're going to easily, you know, cover the spread. The, the, the spread really isn't going to factor it in. Similar with the dog. I mean, if you're looking to bet the dog, of course, try to get the best number you can. But other than that, don't be afraid in these bowl games because they're so high variance Uh, don't be, I'd be certainly, if you're betting some underdogs sprinkle. you're doing yourself a disservice by not sprinkling in a little bit on the money line, because a lot of times if the dog's the right side, they're just going to, I mean, forget it. I mean, they're going to win the game outright.
0: Yeah. I think this is one of those things. You kind of look at that 80, 20 split 80 on the spread, 20 on the money line, 85, 15, something like that, whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever your risk tolerance is. And of course, how much you like that dog and how much you think they actually have a shot to win that game outright. Noon kickoff here on Wednesday. First time with us talking about this bowl game on the show, Wake Forest and Wisconsin in the Dukes Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. This one, of course, used to be the Belk Bowl. Wisconsin's laying a touchdown here. Total 52 and a half for this one. I got to say, man, I, you know, I understand some of the anti-Wake Forest sentiment. And also, you know, we talked about on the show, their turnover margin throughout the year was exceptional until, of course, the last regular season game that they played, but, I saw nothing from Wisconsin over the last, really, five games that they played that would suggest that I can trust them covering a touchdown here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I got another – I just haven't downgraded Wisconsin enough in my power rings. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, they look good at at times to to, to start the season, a couple of blowout wins. And then you're right. I mean, down the stretch, I mean, they've been – in these last four games, I mean, offensively. And what what gives you <laughs> when you've scored a total of forty points? So you're averaging ten points per game in your last four. Yeah, you know, failing to cover all of them uh, and, and losing three of them outright. I, I just I'm not anxious to to run to the window and bet the Badgers here, even though my power ratings say that, that they should be the play here at nine. I, I also got to look, you know, how healthy's Graham Mertz? He got banged up in the last game against Minnesota, but. I mean, it's it's tough getting margin with a team when you can't score. I mean, I know that sounds like anybody, you know, a third grader could say that, but, but yeah, that's that's giving me pause, certainly. But but I'm not sure I want to bet Wake. I mean, even though I highly respect Dave Clawson, very familiar with him, he coached at my alma mater Bowling Green for several years, so I followed his career. I th- there's whole season down the stretch after a very impressive start been disrupted i mean they played one game since the middle of november so a little worried there and then look at the game flow the totals kind of telling you it's going to play closer to wisconsin style
0: of game than it is wake forest yeah i agree with everything you said there and and you know like i said i mean look this this is a wisconsin team the big 10 west was a a mess i mean it was really the big 10 in general this season was an absolute mess And, and for wake forest here You know, I mean, look, you've got a team that really struggles to score in Wisconsin. You have a Wake Forest team that takes great care of the football. I mean, they only had three turnovers in their eight games. How is Wisconsin getting margin in this game? How many points does Wisconsin need to score to cover this number? And to me, you know, I would be much more comfortable taking the under if I think Wisconsin has a chance to cover the spread. But, you know, again, I mean, how does Wake Forest do against that Wisconsin defense Does Wake Forest wind up having some turnover issues of their own? Do they have some takeaways? You know, that's another question here. They had 16 takeaways in their eight games, and Wisconsin did not take good care of the football at all whatsoever, especially during that four-game stretch at the end of the year. So, man, I don't know. Like, something about this line feels really fishy to me. I have it six and a half. I did make a big adjustment to Wisconsin at the tail end of the year, so that's probably why I'm more in line with the number than you are. But – That's the question for me, man. I just look at this game and I go, does Wisconsin have to hold Wake Forest to 14 or 17 points to cover this number? I mean, can they do it? Sure. Do I expect them to do it? I don't think so. Not if they're unable to force turnovers.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Just, I mean, a really, I'm anxious to see if anyone opts out and what the overall vibe is leading up to the game. Now a week out, It'll be interesting to see. I, I trust Wake Forest probably a little bit more than Wisconsin. Uh, Keep it also on the injury report. There was you know a couple of key guys in Wake Forest that were, you know, boogie Basham, their outstanding defensive lineman, what was kind of iffy towards the end of the season. It's just Wake Forest, I haven't seen them in forever. I mean, really last time they were really a part of my thought process uh, it, on a week-in and week-out basis was that North Carolina topsy-turvy game. So that, that's my only hang-up on Wake. I just
0: haven't seen them that much. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's definitely a fair point to make. Again, it's one of those games. I also want to see where the number goes. I mean, is, is seven going to work here on this game? Will it be influenced by who's in and who's out? Or will there be some sort of position that actually comes in on this game? I don't really know, but I'm I'm kind of curious to see what happens with that, where I think it's a good game to talk about and it creates a lot of good content. But from a betting standpoint, maybe not the best of games to play here uh, in this bowl season. What about Missouri and Iowa here? This is the Music City Bowl, of course, in Nashville, Tennessee. You got Iowa laying 14 and a half or 15 here. Total of 50. That's a big spread with a lowest total.
1: Yeah, I lean Missouri. Although I am worried what's their status on a bunch of their players. I mean, they had a converted quarterback that was their starter at the start of the season, Robinson, the, the TCU transfer. He's playing the defensive backfield uh, in the Mississippi State game. That's how you know, bad they were, they were down to legitimately like 50 guys on their roster. And, and there's a big reason why, you know, their defense all of a sudden got really bad there down, down the stretch. And maybe that, that might be worth a, a little bit of a look there. Um, I know a lot of people want to bet Iowa unders, but Missouri was so inept defensively down the stretch. that It's awfully tough for me to, to, to recommend betting, uh, the, you know, an under there. But then again, I don't want to lay more than two touchdowns with Iowa. I mean, as dominant as they've been since the start of the season, after that zero two start, uh, I just—they're not a team that, that I'm really anxious to lay that kind of number. They didn't—they've only laid it twice this season. Uh, they didn't cover double digits against Nebraska and they really had to score a bunch of points late to, to cover a 13-and-a-half number at Illinois. I mean, that, that, that shows you. At Illinois, Iowa was a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Now at a quote-unquote neutral site game against Missouri, a team that I think is clearly better than Illinois, they're laying 15. Uh, I just I, My overlay is uh, you know a couple points in favor of Missouri here.
0: Yeah, this is one, again, it's, it's a really difficult thing to you know try and take a team like Iowa in this type of role I mean I think it's a very challenging thing to do and the question is you know is Missouri that bad was it just sort of something that kind of you know everything just kind of fell apart at the same time as you mentioned defensively you know I mean they were running all over the place gave up 48 to Arkansas 49 to Georgia 51 to Mississippi State Iowa's not you know SEC caliber on offense by any means but you know I mean, can Missouri keep up? If Iowa's defense shows up, can Missouri keep up? By the way, Iowa since the start of the 2015 season, 16 and 13 against the spread, laying double digits. So 55.2% over nine games. That's not bad, but I don't think it's anything that I would, you know, base my handicap on, at least as far as this game goes. All right, marquee game here Wednesday, Florida and Oklahoma. This one is the Cotton Bowl Classic in Arlington, Texas. So Oklahoma, with some familiarity with that venue, of course, I don't know if that necessarily matters. We'll see what attendance capacity looks like. That should benefit Oklahoma, assuming that, you know, there's a decent amount of people there. But Florida, still the favorite. Two and a half with juice or three reduced. Total up to 72 for this one. Yeah, I like Oklahoma. And I think...
1: I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not giving Oklahoma at least a half point as far as familiarity. It is Jerry's world. I mean, you got the big screen. Uh, I've seen a lot of teams kind of be in awe of that, you know, one of the best stadiums in the entire world, regardless of sports. So the fact that Oklahoma plays there consistently, they just played their last game there. Yeah, I I think it's worth a half a point. And I did factor that in my power ratings. And speaking of that, I got this one close to pick them, especially with Florida with being without Kyle Pitts. I mean, he's just a matchup nightmare. Right? You take him out of the lineup, they, I mean, they still got Kadarius, Tony, and a lot of other weapons, but uh, I just um, – they're not they're not the same offense when he's not in the lineup. So, uh, And I think Oklahoma defensively is not getting enough credit for their turnaround since the start of the season. And, and I'll say another thing. If it's not for one quarter of bad football for Oklahoma, this team, believe it or not, Oklahoma would be in the playoff right now. And that bad quarter was all the way back in September the 26th when they had a really bad fourth quarter and blew a three-touchdown lead against Kansas State. Uh, if that doesn't happen, uh, then, then there were some fluky turnovers going on and a blocked punt. If they win that game, Oklahoma would have been in the college football playoff as the Big 12 champ. Uh, with their only loss, they avenge it being against Iowa State. So I think the market's not fully grasping that. I get it. It's tough fate on an SEC team because that conference is you know great and the almighty and whatnot. But uh, I, I just... I think Oklahoma obviously wins the game if I'm going to bet them plus three.
0: Yeah, I think Oklahoma's the right side here, too. And, and you know, we talk about this a lot in, in a more traditional season. We talk about it in the college basketball arena as well. You know, when when an FBS team loses to an FCS team or loses to some bad FBS team that they shouldn't lose to, you know, that team kind of gets discarded. They kind of get thrown away. In college basketball, you lose to a lower division team or get upset by a low major team, something like that. Everybody throws you away. It's the only thing that people remember. It's amazing how in so many other cases, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business unless you lose a game you absolutely should not have. And that's what happened to Oklahoma as a 28-point favorite against Kansas State. And furthermore, that loss looked worse and worse and worse as the season went along because Kansas State just fell off the face of the earth. Everybody has continued to punish Oklahoma for that Kansas State loss. They've been underpriced in the market. They've covered six of seven. The one they didn't was that weird game against Baylor where neither team really did much of anything offensively. This is a very good Oklahoma team. I have Oklahoma minus two in this game. I think I have a pretty accurate representation of where Oklahoma should be. I think the market is trailing behind a little bit on the Sooners. Now, I could wind up with egg on my face from that statement, but you know, for Florida here, look, we know they can't defend. So that, that's an obvious point here. And Oklahoma's defense did get good over the course of the season. And yep. the second thing is they don't want to be in this game. You know, I mean, okay, they're playing a marquee opponent in Oklahoma. They're also playing a you know quasi home game for the Sooners. They wanted to beat Alabama last week and then yep. kind of see what happened from there. They were in the game. They played as well as they possibly could. They didn't get it. And that's back-to-back losses for Florida. And now I just wonder, especially with some of the other external things happening with the program with, You know, some questions about Dan Mullen and all of that. I just think Oklahoma, I mean, look, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I say, look, boys, we're not in the college football playoff, but we can play the second best team in the SEC and we can beat them. I think Oklahoma wins this game. I think they're more motivated, more focused, more engaged. And I think when this one is done, people are going to look back and say, and I should have had Oklahoma held in higher regard
1: can't uh, agree with anybody more than, than that. So, yeah, the distractions that are going around the Florida program right now aren't good, and just let's just go two weeks ago. I mean, just literally two weeks ago, Florida thought they were a playoff team. That was the sentiment and that vibe and that football building was, hey, we're going to be a playoff or at least be right there in the mix. They thought to themselves, and kudos to them, they did compete with Alabama, but they, they were thinking much bigger things. And playing little old Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, I can tell you that. And to not to lose to LSU and then turn around and get that big, you know, uplifting performance against Alabama, and then to still come up short there, I think it's kind of a deflator for them. So, yeah, I, I think again, Oklahoma is one of my top plays of the bowl the entire bowl season.
0: We'll talk more in detail about the other twelve games that are left for the Bulls on next week's show. But just as sort of an overview and kind of a look ahead here. Uh, Are there any games that, you know, are, are kind of on your radar out of those 12 that we didn't talk about that start December 31st and run through January 2nd? I did bet San
1: Jose State. I just think the Mountain West, I mean, Nevada kind of proved that by beating, I thought, a solid Tulane team. I think Mountain West is a much better conference than the MAC. And uh, I think Ball State's kind of a phony team, even though I bet a lot of Ball State uh, this year. In fact, I just bet them in the MAC championship game. I just think the disparity between those two programs is, bet, you know, bigger than in a, it was seven, seven and a half. Now it's eight and a half. So I actually think the line's going to go to ten. Uh, and I, I just think now that Brett Brennan's not going off to Arizona, he's likely going to be the head coach. They focus in, they're dialed in, and the, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they pummel Ball State. Any other ones? Uh I want to see how much negativity Georgia gets cuz they're probably going to have some opt outs. Remember last year the whole market was against them in the Sugar Bowl game. They closed as like a 4 point favorite over Baylor and everyone was talking about all the opt outs for Georgia. The reality is it's still uh, you know, very talented roster. And I know since will have a chip on their shoulder, but man, I think Georgia's a different team with JT Daniels at quarterback. And I'm laying in wait to see if I can get a six and a half. I'll fire away on the Bulldogs.
0: Yeah. That's not really a power ratings play for me. If I give, let's say we give Georgia a point and a half or so playing in Atlanta. I mean, they're very accustomed to it, obviously. Then my number is seven on this game, but from a matchup standpoint, I mean, first of all, Georgia's entire body of work is not indicative of this team as a whole because they had a bunch of dudes out on defense for several weeks in a row and they made the change to Daniels way late in the year to the point where early on in the season maybe they beat Florida you know if they have Daniels out there if they have all those defensive guys all of that I this is a spot to me where nothing against Luke Fickle nothing against Cincinnati and Fickle's done a phenomenal job recruiting there in the Queen City I think this talent disparity shows up in this game. I'm, I'm praying for a six and a half too.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's not like Georgia just lost the sec championship game. It's not like they had bigger goals the last month of the, sure. They had bigger goals at the start of the season, but the reality set in for them, I mean, over well over a month ago when they lost to Florida, they weren't going to the SEC championship at that point. So the fact that they've kind of rebounded and, and focused and dialed in a little bit here, I'm not as worried about them, you know, dream crusher. They're not playing in the playoffs and they're playing little old Cincinnati. So I think they'll be somewhat focused here. And, and I'll say this, a lot of people forget this, but they were beating Alabama with about five minutes left on the road in the third quarter of that game. I mean, with what Alabama does in a, in a week-in-a-week-out basis, that was a really impressive 40 minutes of football that Georgia had, even with a walk-on Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Uh, if I can get that
0: kind of effort out of Georgia here, I, I again, I think they could blow out Cincinnati. Yeah, and frankly, I think we do get that effort, especially because, as you said, you know, they're not coming off of that disappointment of losing the conference title game again. This is just, yep. you know, this is their reality this season, and I think that they're more willing – to embrace that. Like I said, we'll talk more about the other bowl games on next week's show, but I want to transition over to the NFL side of things here for a few minutes and key in on a few of these games. And it's weird to me that we have a Christmas day game here on a Friday between Minnesota and new Orleans saints minus seven 50 and a half the total. And uh, as we know, something weird always seems to happen when these two teams get together.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, but uh, I guess I, I don't understand the Minnesota love here. I mean, I, I can bet six and a half here in town at a, at a multiple shops. So, I mean, I'm going to, I'll lay six and a half with new Orleans. The fact that, you know, the, the, the Minnesota is a team that's gotten the best of them in a couple of high profile playoff games, uh, two times in the last three years. Uh, I think that refocuses the saints a little bit. Uh, I mean, they're they're still they're not going to get the one seed now basically unless Green Bay collapses in the, these last two games. But I mean, they still want to get a home game, and I think you know chalk up last week. Breeze was rusty; didn't really get it going until very late in the game against the Chiefs. And uh, Minnesota' season's over. I mean, I bet them last week. That's now five straight non covers for them. They're not going to the playoffs. Uh, I, I I I lean towards the Saints side here, especially at six and a half.
0: Yeah. Last week was the first time I thought we had a buy low sign on Minnesota because everybody fell in love with this team kind of around like late October, early November. So everybody kind of fell in love with this team. They got overpriced in the marketplace. As you mentioned, five straight non-covers for them. I thought last week was a buy point. They were laying the same number at home to the bears that they were laying on the road to the bears a month earlier. And they never really had a chance in that game. So That said a lot to me about Minnesota, and I mean, I I think this line, you could argue it's maybe a little bit light. I think this line's probably, you know, in the right range, but I wouldn't take Minnesota here. I mean, you know, I don't know what the short week necessarily matters or anything like that, but still, it would be New Orleans or nothing for me in that one. I mean, on
1: Christmas, you're away from – it's been a challenging year. You're away from your family, uh, you know, a a short week. Wouldn't you rather be at home and stuff? I just – I – again, I – Give me the Saints. Uh, I mean, I always respect the NFL market because – I'm, it's not college where, where I I just I know the I know the market because I, I you know those, you can say this and get on me because of ego or whatnot. But a lot of instances I feel like I am the market, and, and as far as I I can predict where lines are going and, and what, what's going to happen. I I've, I obviously have way more respect the NFL market. I, I'll plead the fifth in some instances, but this is one where I disagree a, l- a little bit,
0: and I don't get the Minnesota love here. All right, so we go to Saturday here, and um, this first game, you know, I thought it was interesting early in the week to begin with that Tampa Bay was only a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite with what the Lions' defense did uh, last week against the Titans, and the fact that there's a lot of sentiment out there, a lot of pro-Buccaneers sentiment uh, from a lot of people. They look very good from an advanced metrics standpoint and all of that. They had to be excited about this matchup. So the line goes from seven-and-a-half to nine, and I'm thinking, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I agree with that line move. Well, now we find out that the Detroit Lions will have virtually none of their coaching staff in this game with a team that feels like it's kind of playing out the string for the most part. Anyway, gets a Tampa Bay team that has motivation, has things on the line, needs this game. Now we're up to 10 and the total sitting at 54. Yeah, I kind of lean over. I mean, it's kind of substitute teacher effect.
1: I mean, your coaching staff's not there. I mean, it's kind of like lackadaisical. When you get lackadaisical effort and whatnot, uh, I I think that affects more defensively than anything. And speaking of that, I mean, the offense will be fine because you got your quarterback on the field and Stafford, hopefully. uh, And they've been okay the last four weeks. His defense along 37 points per
0: game. So I'm going to go with the over here. All right. Fair enough. It's pretty easy handicap there. Anything else on Saturday's two games, San Francisco, Arizona, with the Cardinals laying five and 48-and-a-half, or Miami laying three at Vegas and 47-and-a-half?
1: Uh, I just find it interesting. I mean, it feels like a lifetime ago, but I remember specifically in the season opener betting Arizona plus seven. Uh, against san francisco and they win the game out right now you know over the course of a season the two teams you know change a power rating 12 points seems like a lot but uh, i haven't seen anything from san francisco the last few weeks to say that i can bet them confidently same thing i could say for las vegas here i'll probably lean on the over in the miami las vegas game but other than that not, not much
0: all right so we go to sunday here and uh the first game on the board denver and the chargers this is one that's kind of perplexed me i've been trying to You know, I got a lot of stuff going on here, but, you know, I've been trying to figure out what to do with my five picks for the Circa this week. I think I'm two and a half or three points out of the money now. So it's just sort of playing for pride at this point. But this is a game that I just I don't feel like I have any kind of read on with the Chargers laying three and extra juice and 49 the total. Yeah, I can agree with that. I mean, I probably lean Denver, but,
1: I mean, I took them last week against the Bills and came out strong on this very show and obviously got my teeth kicked down my throat. So I'm a little, you know, a little woozy from that one as far as recommending Denver. But I can't lay points with Anthony Lynn, who, I mean, obviously everyone knows now is probably the worst coach in the NFL. I mean, as a home favorite, they've covered one of the last ten times. And, again, I I just – if three-and-a-half Denver
0: becomes – you know, more than a ham sandwich type of bet. You and ham sandwiches, man. I, do you have a craving for ham sandwiches every time you do nah, it's Christ, Christmas ham. I mean,
1: I don't know. I know that's kind of weak, but the, right. don't you think of ham at Christmas time?
0: Oh, I course. do. Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? I mean, ham is, is kind of the preferred thing, I would say. Oh, yeah. All right. So here's an interesting one, because we have to go all the way back to 1995 for a spot where the Browns have been laying more than a touchdown on the road. And they will do it this week in their second straight game at MetLife Stadium against the New York Jets. Nine and a half is mostly the number. There are some tens out there in the marketplace as well. 47 and a half or 48 the total. We talk all the time about you and historical outliers and you know, the fact that you generally don't really want to play on them. What about this one, though?
1: I, I still lean Cleveland. And I, I think it is their largest If it goes to ten, it's their largest one in at least thirty years, right? I mean, I, I went back to nineteen eighty nine. I couldn't find anything bigger than you know, uh, you know, anything that was at ten. So, yeah, usually I fade that. But here's one thing I did: a little extra homework, a little uh, legwork, because obviously you want to talk about historical outliers. The Jets just had one last week, winning outright as a seventeen point dog. And I looked up how did teams do coming off an outright upset as a 14 point or more underdog the next week after pulling a huge upset, 14 or more, that's the jets here. Oh, nine and one against the spread last 10 times. That's going back to 95. Haven't covered a single time since 95 after pulling a huge upset. And we got two of them this week. Uh, So yeah, I'll lean Cleveland with everything to play for and the jets, you know, removing uh, the O, the, they're not going to be winless, even though they they probably should have been if they wanted to get Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback. I'll lean with the Browns and more to play for.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mentioned a lot on this show that the Browns are a team I want to play as a dog. They're not really a team that I want to lay points with. But in this spot, with their offensive efficiency and just, I mean, they've been excellent since Odell Beckham Jr. went out. They've been phenomenal on the offensive side of the football defensively it remains a work in progress but Denzel Ward came back last week Harrison's coming back this week those are two really big upgrades for them in the secondary the jet I don't think the Jets can really attack them in too many ways seeing this total go up suggests to me that the Browns offense is getting held in very high esteem out there in the marketplace right now and maybe people are selling the Browns defense a little bit but I don't think the Jets can keep up drive for drive, score for score at all no. whatsoever with Cleveland. So, and and Cleveland too, they've been an excellent fourth quarter team with the lead. They run the football with Chubb and Hunt. They play keep away for most of the fourth quarter. You, you worry a little bit less about the backdoor situation with something like that. The only concern I would have about Cleveland though, that game against Pittsburgh next week could mean absolutely everything to them with potentially the division on the line if Pittsburgh loses here this week against Indianapolis. So that's my only worry. If the Browns are up 17 or something like that at halftime, do they relax a little bit? I think it's a possibility. We saw it in that Titans game when they had the big Ravens game coming up after that. That's my biggest concern here for the Browns. But I think Browns first half is an excellent look here.
1: I can agree with that derivative bet. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, so looking through the rest of the NFL card here, uh, I guess we could talk Indianapolis and Pittsburgh, and then we'll just kind of jump around with anything else that you like. Indy a road favorite at Pittsburgh, and this was something you told me about before the show when we were discussing which NFL games we want to talk about. Is this too much of an adjustment from where we thought this line was going to be?
1: I think so. I mean, look at Lima's Pittsburgh three and Indy. It's real easy. Indy basically met expectation last week. They're favored by seven, one by seven. So that's easy. Uh, I just, I mean, I know Pittsburgh's not only looked horrific against the Bengals. I mean, obviously it's been three straight tough games for them, but I just, I I know Indy has been given. I don't think people realize this Indianapolis has been favored in every single game but won this year. I mean, the, the market loves the Colts. That game being at Cleveland where they lost, I just – I'll trust – and maybe Big Ben, it's over for them, but I, I'll trust them to rally the – circle the wagons, rally the troops. I'll I'll, I'll lean Pittsburgh.
0: That is definitely a, a very contrarian look there. What, what do you, oh, think, you happen- think? What do you think happens with that number?
1: Probably only goes up, I would think. Uh, so I'm not running to the window to bet uh indie right now. And I mean pinnacle, I the last I looked at what was sitting maybe at two. So yeah, I could see it going up.
0: All right. So what else are you looking at here on this NFL card for this week? I mean we've reached that point in the year where we're getting just a lot of big favorites. You know, obviously you've got New Orleans laying a touchdown. Tampa Bay is laying doubles. The Browns are essentially laying doubles. Baltimore is laying doubles. Kansas City, same thing. Buffalo's a touchdown favorite over New England on the road, which I mean that never happens. Anything else? Jack Chicago is a huge favorite over Jacksonville on the road. What? Anything else you're looking at this week? Uh, I kind of like Carolina against Washington.
1: I know Washington needs it to to remain, you know, ahead of the division. But I just think with all the turmoil going on with that, especially obviously if Haskins plays, I love my bet uh, in that one. But not so much of Alex Smith that is able to come back. It looks like he could. Uh I Carolina's been remarkably consistent. I know they stink and I know Rivera's gonna want to beat his former team, but uh I mean Carolina's eight and one uh against the spread as a underdog the last nine times. They they, they played they haven't given up on the season, I'll tell you that. They played Green Bay really hard last week. I'll gain the Packers on the road there. Uh so I, I do like Carolina there. And I also like the Rams. I just think they're better than Seattle. The market kind of agrees with that with some money coming in on the Rams here. I think they're a bad matchup for Seattle. If you look at, you know, how do you defend Russell Wilson? You get that pressure up the middle on the defensive front. And obviously the Rams are really good on the interior defensive line. I think that's one of the major reasons why they've beaten Seattle five of the last six times. So I do like the Rams to to rebound from that horrific loss to the Jets last week and beat Seattle.
0: Always great to chat here on today's show with professional better and handicapper, Brad powers from Brad And Brad, what's happening over at the website right now, bud?
1: Yeah, it's my newsletter. I talk about it each week, but I do have a, a special and it's this it's 69 bucks. And you're thinking what 69 bucks. Are you kidding me for the rest of this season? Yeah, it's for the rest of this season and all of next season. That's right. Basically, you, you, obviously, you get all the bowl games that I got. You get the last couple of weeks of the NFL. You get all the NFL playoffs, and you get all of the 2021 football season. So you're good through next year's Super Bowl for 69 bucks. You go to bradpowersports.com. It's my newsletter. It gets sent to you via email each and every week during the season, monthly during the offseason. Check it out. Download past issues for free. And again, 69 bucks for the rest of this year and all of next season. A little Christmas special
0: for this week. Yeah, very nice price there over at bradpowersports.com. And Brad, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you and yours, bud, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, sounds good. Take care of my friend. There you go. There's Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper from bradpowersports.com. And make sure you follow him on Twitter at Brad Powers and the number seven. Don't know if I'll record it tonight or quickly in the morning, but I will give you my thoughts for week 16 in the Circus Sports Million. 42, 32 and 1 on the year. Looks like I'm not going to finish in the money unless I go 9 and 1 or 10 and 0 here over the last two weeks. That will be the goal. That will be the hope. And I'll tell you about the games that I'm looking at here for week 16. Uh, and what will probably be, as I mentioned, a shortened edition of ATS Radio here to round out the week. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you don't listen to tomorrow's show, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Do it safely, do it smartly. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.